Lord, I pray in these next few minutes that we'll bring glory to you in the way that we are available to the word. Uh, Lord, I pray that you will speak to hearts in a way that no man can. Um, let's pray for a movement of the Holy Spirit in people's lives that will be arresting, quickening, um, deepening. And uh, just pray that you will have an available attentive people this morning. <clears throat> Lord, I want to pray also for, um, I want to pray for family fellowship today. I want to pray for Paul Blue and his family. I pray that he has had a rich time in the Word this week, and I pray that he's been undone by the truths that are in there, and that he is, his life has been laid bare and available, and that you have run him through and undone him. And I pray that as he preaches, maybe at this very moment, that, that you are speaking to your people Lord, we pray that if, uh, if you have a tangible partnership in mind with that church, or if you just want us to walk with them in, true, in a true shared ministry, in a true spirit of agreement, uh, whatever the case, that uh, we will be true partners with a shared Lord, shared cross, shared empty tomb, shared commission, and that you'll never see two people or two bodies in competition or any of the churches in this community. Lord, show us to truly be a people that are hard and fast about Christ and that are uh, truly members of one another. We turn this time over to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> turn to Hebrews chapter 6. pray one more prayer. Lord, I also want to pray um, for divine composure in these next uh, few minutes and um, pray that you will be able to speak. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. <clears throat> and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Some of you, probably many of you know, not all of you I'm sure, that uh, we lost a family member this week, a church family member, Keith McCord. He has been uh, fighting cancer for months now, really for almost two years off and on. And uh, he passed away Friday night, just before 8 o'clock. And um, I shared that passage in Hebrews chapter 6 because I think that's a great starting point for us this morning because what I want us to do, we're not going to camp out there. You can actually turn to Ephesians chapter 5. What I want us to do in these next few moments is to consider maybe who to imitate and what to imitate. Uh, that passage in Hebrews tells us to imitate those who have inherited the promises. And uh, we trust that Keith has inherited the promises as of Friday night, 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock, that he stepped out of uh, earth and into the presence of the Lord. And um, that he's worshiping in the presence of the Lord this morning. And um, what I want to do is for us to take a little look at Keith. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 
uh, is where we're going to be today. And when I say I want to take a look at Keith, specifically where I'm going is I'm preaching a, a message that Keith wanted to preach. He, uh, over the last few months, he's had, we've had a few conversations about him actually delivering a message on a Sunday morning. He said, man, I really feel like I've got something I need to share with the body. And it was from this passage in Ephesians chapter 5. And I don't think the Lord let him share the message because he was the illustration. And he wouldn't have been able to do that. You know, look at me. Um, but I'm able to, I hope. So that's my prayer in the next few minutes. I want to unpack the word and um, I want us to consider who we may imitate. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. It's a short message, too, which Keith would have preached a short, short message. So, <laughs> Brad Cardwell told me I owe y'all after last week. that I had to made, made some withdrawals. I need to make a deposit today. But Keith, Keith would have had this um, message for y'all. And he and I have had the chance to talk about this for the last few months. And these are some of the points that he wanted to draw out this morning, or when he shared. Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what's pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they're exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, these two verses, these next two verses where I want to focus, but therefore, I want to escort you into, therefore, because of what? Therefore, we're going to look at what, but therefore, because Christ loved you, in verse 2, and gave himself up for us. In verse 8, because you were formerly darkness, but now you're light in the Lord, and walk as children of light. Therefore, because you were a sleeper, and because now you arise. Once you were dead, but now you rise and walk. Therefore, be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. There are three things that I want to share with you this morning, mainly coming from these two verses, verses 15 and 16. The first is, having, well, all three of these have to do with being wise and being a wise man. I feel like Keith, as I look back at the time that we walked together, a little over a year or so, that Keith embodied wisdom. And wisdom was not brilliance, although Keith was pretty sharp. Wisdom is not brilliance. Wisdom is faithfulness. Wisdom for the Hebrew, is, as Paul is writing this, as he's thinking about being wise, 
He's not thinking about your IQ. He's not thinking about how intelligent you are. He's not thinking about how fast you can read, how many big words you use. For him, wisdom had to do, and for the Jew, it was called a Hebraism. Wisdom had to do with your ability to obey what you're hearing. Simple. It can be really simple what you're hearing, but not all that simple to obey. But that you're characterized as one who's doing what you hear. So the doer, the wise man, as I believe Keith characterized, here's the first thing. The wise man walks. Verse 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk. This is another Hebraism. For the Jew, the journey of faith was characterized as a walk. We've been conditioned to fast forward, fast food, overnight shipping, internet orders where we order it today and we have it in our house and our front door tomorrow. We've been conditioned to microwave ovens, to um, remote controls. Everything is fast and everything is easy. But the journey of faith is a walk. The journey of faith does not travel at 75 miles an hour. The journey of faith is a three-mile-an-hour walk. Be careful how you walk. Wise men walk. It's a daily, slow-cooked movement over time. I have out here a pair of Keith's shoes. I, uh, I have another pair of shoes in my office uh, from a little lady named Betty Lakey a lady that was a member of Cross Point Fellowship a long time ago, well, a couple years ago. And she passed away. She was just old, elderly. She passed away, and I asked for a pair of her shoes because I wanted to remember her walk. And I asked Stephanie for a pair of Keith's shoes and, uh, because I want to remember how he walked. And they're pretty cool shoes, actually. I like this taste in shoes, and they may even fit me, but I won't, I won't wear them. I'm going to keep them in my office next to Betty Lakey's shoes. But the thing that I, I wanted these shoes to be out here for is just so that we would consider Keith's walk. Keith walked with the bride, first of all. He and Stephanie moved here a year and a half or so ago, and they were aggressive about finding a church home. They were visiting churches, sometimes a couple on a Sunday. They were serious about finding a church home. And they visited here, and I saw them again uh, in town and talked to Keith one day. And, and then I saw them back again. And within a week, uh, we were visiting and talking together, getting to know each other, each other. And within a few weeks, they were joining this body, saying, we stand in agreement with you. We want to be part of this body. He had to work through some things because he came from a different denomination, different background. But we were diligent about working through those things, and he walked with this body. He became members of one another with this people and walked with this body, and he was involved with this people. He was not a Sunday morning attender. He walked with this people. He also walked in the Word I've asked Stephanie, uh, tomorrow is his memorial service, and I've asked Stephanie if I could preach from his Bible. And it's actually a Bible that I think I gave him a few months ago because it looks really familiar like I used to own it. And, uh, but you learn some cool things about people when you look through their Bible. And I learned this about Keith. First of all, I found a uh, receipt from the Kimbros from some work that Robert did on his house. You might want this back. Maybe Stephanie will want that, but... The, the thing that that told me is that while Robert was working in his home, that Keith had his Bible out or nearby. I found a read through the Bible in a year plan right here. 
It hadn't been marked up, but that doesn't mean that he hadn't been reading it. It was in his Bible. I found two receipts for carrier chiropractic uh, service. You know what that means? It means he was reading his Bible in the waiting room. Um, I found a little note from someone, uh, Jamie Gates, a young person that he had apparently made an impact on, and it was, that was his bookmark in his Bible, just a remembrance of him, for him, of someone that he had had an impact on. And then I found markings throughout. Oh, I also found a Kenny, um, Kenny Wayne photography card in there. So, Kenny, I don't know what that means, but you're in there. But I also found a series of books in the New Testament. Uh, their markings throughout the Bible, highlights. He's really, he was really um, a lot tidier than I am. He just uses highlighter. Um, but I found a lot of the New Testament books highlighted, and specifically the same ones that the young couples that meet here in Sunday school on Sunday mornings have been studying for the last year. Galatians, Philippians, Titus, 1 Peter, because he'd been walking with them. And he'd been walking through this book a verse at a time. And it had been a walk characterized by a step at a time, a verse at a time, and there's evidence of that. There's even a highlighted passage in John chapter 11, the one that I'm going to preach his memorial service from tomorrow. He highlighted that. I appreciate having that chance to look through that Bible and see how he walked through the Word. If you had the chance to know Keith and Stephanie at all, you know that his life was kind of a living conversation. He was walking with people all week long. It just wasn't a Sunday morning thing for him. He talked with people at work. He had people in his home. He and Stephanie, they dined together. He went over to their house and dined. He would even invite himself if necessary. But he engaged people with a living conversation that was characterized by a walk. Tell you something else that is remarkable to me about Keith also is that he wasn't afraid to ask for company on the walk. He wasn't walking alone. Of course, he had Stephanie who walked with him closely as his wife, but he was pretty aggressive too about asking for a partner in walk in the walk with me. He sat down with me, or I sat down with him. He was already seated. This was probably two months ago where he was really beginning to deteriorate in his health, and uh, he said, "Hey, I, I need you to walk this with me." I was busy. I mean, I can get caught up in the 75-mile-an-hour routine of even a pastor is busy and uh, a husband and a father. And he said, I need you to walk this walk with me because Stephanie and I can't have some conversations that I need to have with someone else. And I need you to walk this with me. He asked me to walk on the journey with him. Wise men walk. Secondly, wise men pay attention to their walk. In verse 15, therefore, be careful how you walk. The phrase there for be careful is actually two Greek words, and one Greek word means look, and the other one means be careful, be attentive to. And really, so you could translate that, therefore, look carefully how you walk. And Keith McCord, I believe, characterized someone who was paying close attention to his walk. And he was considering, am I walking rightly? Am I walking cautiously? Am I walking vigilantly? Am I walking circumspectly? Am I walking where God would want me to walk? Am I bringing pleasure and honor and glory to him in the way that I'm living and loving? The journey of faith, the proper journey of faith, is, has an intentional walk. It has a deliberate walk. It's 
painstakingly careful, and it is introspective. If I'm honest with myself, I have to consider that sometimes my walk is more characterized by being oblivious and ignorant because I'm so busy and I don't take the time to consider, am I bringing glory to God in where I am and what I'm doing at this moment? We're going to sing a song at the end of the, the message this, this morning. It will be our final song, and it's called All I Want. Keith, um, that, that song meant a lot to Keith. It's actually going to be sung tomorrow at his memorial service. And essentially, the point of the song is, all I want is Jesus. All I want is you. To demonstrate to you an, an introspective sort of walk, a careful walk, Keith had this conversation with me about three months ago. He said, you know, we were singing that song. This was when he was healthy enough to worship corporately with us. He said, we were singing that song, All I Want, and I was realizing as I was singing that, that he's not all I want. Because I, I, I don't want cancer. I, I want to be healthy, and I want Jesus. You know, I, I want my, my son to have a daddy for decades, and I want my wife to have a husband for decades, and I want Jesus. That he's not all I want. And here's what he said next. He said, but I want him to be all I want. So for Keith, the song actually led him to a new song. And his new song became, all I want is for him to be all I want. That changes things completely. And that's a great picture of a man that walked circumspectly, that walked intro with introspection, considering carefully, am I walking accordingly? About three weeks ago, I sat down with him, and um, this was at the point where, this is before he had had the diagnosis, it may have been a month ago, before he had found out that his body was not responding to chemotherapy and radiation treatment. And uh, we talked, and he said, you know, here's just another picture of someone who's walking carefully and considering their walk. He said, you know, I'm, I know I'm supposed to be bringing glory to God in this, but I'm not sure that I am. I don't really know how to do that. And just in asking that question, he demonstrated to me that that's somebody that as he's sitting there dying and his body's deteriorating quickly, that he's asking that question, am I bringing glory to God in the way that I'm dying? We should ask the question, am I bringing glory to God in the way that I'm living? I'm grateful for his introspection. Wise men pay attention to their walk. Thirdly, wise men make the most of their time because the days are evil. First of all, what does it mean to make the most of your time? It means to maximize. It means to capitalize on your time. It means to exploit your time. It means to be an aggressive steward with your time. And what does your time mean? The new NIV translated, make the most of your opportunities. That's a pretty good translation, except we might envision opportunities as events. And the reality is time is an opportunity. Every single moment is an opportunity. We oftentimes consider opportunities as these big cloud-parting events where it's so obvious that God wants us to participate in something, and the reality is kingdom opportunities, kingdom moments always seem insignificant. And they're always found in the middle of time. Moments clicking off. They never seem like they're all that big a deal. What's the big deal if I don't do it today? What's the big deal if I don't call that person today? What's the big deal if I don't get involved in a local body? Maybe I'll do that next year. Yet time 
is clicking off and moving on. That's why when it says the days are evil, it's not saying that the days are evil because who made the day? God made the day. He made the sun. He made the moon. He made 24-hour cycles. What it means is that the days are fleeting and they click off while we muse and while we think and while we consider, maybe I'll do that tomorrow. And meanwhile, the seconds are evil because they're disappearing on us while we relax and while we consider, maybe I'll be obedient. Turn to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. You who think that you're captains of your own destiny... You who think that you're in control, that you can plan out your life of what's going to happen exactly when. Come now, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow, much less a year from now. I'm going to read those verses again. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, if it's the Lord's plan, if it's what the Lord wants, if it's what the Lord expects of me, if this is what it means to walk circumspectly, if this is what obedience means, we will live and also do this or that. And I will insert from Ephesians chapter 5 the word today. If the Lord wills it, If it's the Lord's plan, I'll do it today. That's wisdom. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Postponing obedience, postponing being part of a body, postponing reading through this book, postponing engaging one another and being members of one another, Postponing walking with with a people is sin because we are but a vapor. We are here today and gone tomorrow. If any of you had the chance to walk with Keith for any period of time over the last few months, you know that Keith's life epitomized the last few months, at least his physical life, epitomized vapor. He transformed in the last two months from a man walking around like you and me to a shell. He was eating in our home three weeks ago. He didn't eat much, but he was eating and having a conversation and sitting down in a chair and getting up and walking from that chair out the front door to what was just completely the last few days, just a shell. He epitomized vapor. We are a vapor, so we need to make the most of our time together, corporately, in community, and we need to make the most of our time here in walking with the Lord, knowing the Lord, verse by verse, engaging Him in His Word and in community. What I've hoped for 
through Keith's life and death and through how, seeing how he walked and how he engaged people and how he participated in the bride, how he walked circumspectly, how he walked a step at a time. What I've hoped for is that through all those things that we've seen from Keith and even through his death that we would be quickened to being an urgent people. He was among us and he is among us in terms of a relationship. His wife and his family is now. And his memory is here with us too and his legacy and his heritage. And what I'm hoping is that this people that knew him and walked with him, that we will be quickened to urgent living and wise living. Let's pray. Lord, I ask you to um, work this word in people's hearts. Lord, I ask you to call a people from... um, anyone that may be in a place of just existing or postponing or procrastinating to a place of doing, a place of acting, even when it's scary and uncomfortable and even when, it's, um, even when we feel inadequate and insufficient. Lord, I pray that you will call people um, to a place of urgent, wise, walking and living and loving. Lord, we confess that that's only a work of the Holy Spirit and we ask you to do that in us. Christ's precious name we pray. Amen.